When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. Happy New Year. Arizona Wildcats, Alabama champs. And we're going to talk about football, the nice bowl win over Oklahoma, along with just where the program's at heading into the offseason. We're going to chat with Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Storm. He was in San Antonio covering the team in the Alabama Bowl. Looking forward to that conversation. But, Brett, before we get to the football, the fun stuff, we have to talk about the bad stuff, which apparently is men's basketball now. Formerly number one Arizona, then number four Arizona after the loss to FAU. We kind of figured, okay, FAU has a tough game. You had their three games in a week. FAU was a Final Four team, yada, yada, neutral environment, whatever it was. Arizona lose that game, fine. You start your Pac-12 slate at California, at Stanford, the Barrier trip. They beat Cal, 181, looked pretty good in doing so. Then the Stanford game happened, and I will say Jared Haas, his strategy of telling his team not to miss shots was brilliant. Stanford just rocked Arizona 182, and it wasn't even that close. I mean, at this point in the season, that's a bad loss. Well, yeah, there's there's no way around it being a bad loss. You know, all the, the regular things. Have, and I think we even talked about Arizona's probably going to lose a dumb one on the road. Didn't expect it to be the second one of the conference no, slate. <laughs> but, but, but we did say that, like, Colorado, the mountain road trip is going to be hard, which... By the way, guess what's coming up? <laughs> um, well, it's not the road trip, though, just the mountain schools. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, the, you know, it's, it's, it's still going to come. But... Right. The tougher games, the ones we thought would be tougher, have yet to arrive. They haven't. This was, it's hard. I, I think I tweeted out, like, it's just silly, right? Like, Stanford made 16 of 25 threes in this game. Guys who shoot 30% were shooting 65%. Arizona had no answers, and they went zone. There's whatever defense they threw out there. It wasn't working. It was kind of like they're all Janelle Davis in this game mm-hmm. for Stanford. And Arizona had one guy, Caleb Love, offensively play really well. Umar Bala was fine. And again, it was another situation where they got nothing really from Kylan Boswell. Pella Larson didn't do much. Keyshawn Johnson slowed down. Where in this Arizona scored 82 points, and it wasn't nearly enough. And that's, be, that's because Stanford's offense was so good, right? They weren't missing. But Arizona could have been able to keep up. Right, Arizona's built to keep up in a game like this, and they didn't. Like, just it wasn't a good game. Tommy Lloyd was not happy afterwards, as you can imagine. He had his press conference following his first one following that game on a Wednesday, which is when we're recording, and he was like, "Yeah, we got our asses kicked. <laughs> like, there's just no way around that. Like, it happened. It happened in December. That was so last year. You know, you you can flush <laughs> it and you move on. But it's still, I guess, for people who want to be concerned. Maybe people were concerned after the Purdue game." 
They were there consumed after the Florida Atlantic game, and I wasn't one of them. We weren't those people. Well, now you lose to Stanford, and things look a little worse, right? Is there starting to be reason to be concerned about this team? I, I'm not there yet, but I can understand if some people are starting to find their way there. Well, I think there's there's reasons to be concerned. I think the panic is ridiculous. I think the concern is the trend of, you know, at some point it's not just luck that teams are hitting more threes against Arizona because there were times where Arizona's guards were just not cutting it on defense or confused. They weren't covering. But also, I was saying it on Twitter, I'm like, you could put that Stanford lineup out there and have them shoot 25 threes with the same guys shooting the same number and unguarded in practice. I'll bet you $100 they would not make 16 of them. <laughs> so like, well, right, like Just because a guy's open doesn't mean he has to go in. Arizona misses open threes all the time, which is more, you know, like yeah. I said, another well, thing to be concerned with. But just because a guy's I mean, open doesn't mean it has to go in. I mean, the dude that heaved one from almost half court to get to 100 was just like a microcosm of the game, right? Yeah. Where And, like, there's just there, there's some fun stats. If I, I, I pulled them up at him. You know, you said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That up. sounds like you show prepped. We don't do that here. Uh, well, don't worry. I just did it while you were talking and I wasn't listening. That, okay. That's what we do here. <laughs> there you go. What was that you said? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, like you said, Arizona, can, you know, Arizona scored 47 points in the second half. You would think, all right, they must have cut the lead down. They got outscored by nine, scoring 47 <laughs> points in the they second half. They gave up 56 points in the second half. <laughs> and, and, you know. You, uh, Stanford won the rebounding battle overall with 36. They had, you know how much they lost the offensive rebound category? 6-14 to 14 in but, Arizona's but favor. Brett, but like, you can't get offensive rebounds if you don't miss shots. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. It's kind of the fun with stats here, right? Where it's And Arizona had eight steals. They didn't turn the ball over. It's just... Arizona the stat Stanford I found didn't... wild, and this isn't me saying anything about the officiating, just Stanford was 12 of 14 free throws. Arizona was 11 of 15. Arizona shot one more free throw than a team that lived at the three-point line shot. You know, I mean, granted, Arizona took 26 threes, too. They just didn't make 16 of them. But it was just, like, I want to chalk it up to it being just a fluky game. And to your point, Brett, like, at some, you know, there comes a time where if teams just keep making threes on you, your perimeter defense needs work. And where I would be concerned is if I didn't, like if Arizona, I think Tommy Lloyd sent his press conference like we were the number two defense in the country going to this game, right? Like it just it happened, but it doesn't mean that they were a bad defense going in or that just they're a bad defense now. But if there starts to be a trend where you know it was Janelle Davis the last game, I forget who the guys were on Purdue that were torching them. This game, you know, Kane and Carlisle, who's a good player, but these guys just having career days against Arizona's backcourt, they need to find someone who they can put on a player like that in a tournament game that can happen. You know, that one guy, that one guard, that shift. It's not even like forwards. Or, I mean, Zach Eady didn't torch Arizona a couple of weeks ago. It was the guards that got them. So what can Arizona do in that situation? Now, against Stanford, like, they were all hitting threes. I don't know who you would put your best defender on. It didn't matter. But can Arizona develop a bench or develop a lineup where they know Jaden Bradley is that guy or K.J. Lewis or Pella Larson can be that guy? Can Keyshawn Johnson be that guy? Is Caleb Love your best on-ball defender in the Premier? I don't know. And that's what Arizona needs to find out because you can't get beat by one player. FAU beat them with one player. That's not okay. Now, that was a close game. Arizona could have won. This game was not close. Arizona had no chance in this one because they couldn't stop anybody on Stanford. So what do they do? Is it as simple as saying it was a fluke? I guess time will tell. If Arizona goes on and wins their next six or seven straight with good defense, you'll probably say it's a fluke. The way Stanford shoots the rest of the season with open looks, and they're going to be bricking most of them, you could say it's a fluke. And it's just when you're Arizona, you're going to get everyone's best shot. 
right? Like that's just what's going to happen. They're be focused. You are their Super Bowl, so to speak. But Arizona has to get ready to f- face that because are they still the best team in the West? Yes, I believe so. But if they lose another couple games like this, people will start to wonder. Maybe they slip off that one line. Maybe they slip out of the Western region altogether. Mm-hmm. And like that's the fear. Now, Grant, again, this was December. There's a lot of games between now and Selection Sunday. So if Arizona goes on a nice run and becomes that team, and they're still 10th in the nation. So people are still pretty high on them. So there's time to wash this one away. But they have to start winning. Just like there was time to wash the FAU game away, and then they lost this one, right? You can't keep... You can't win two games, lose one. Win three games, lose one. Not if you want to be an elite program, an elite team this season. Yeah, you know, uh, Tommy Lloyd said they were the second best defensive team in the country. They were the third best defensive team on the court against Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, also, you know, it's it, it, here's here's some evidence for why it's a fluke. If you want to believe the numbers, Ken Palm, you know, they they dropped to number ten in the AP poll. Ken Palm had Arizona plummet all the way down to number four. And their and their adjusted defense has plummeted all the way down to seven, right? Um, it's 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 a weird thing for Arizona fans, I think, to understand that like like fluky games like this happen. I think I also tweeted that I keep telling all of you that this is what modern college basketball is with parody, and none of you listen to me. Like the difference between the 70th best team in college basketball, which maybe is around where Stanford is in that se- like that 70 to 100 range, that's a lot closer than it was 30 years ago to top 10, and people just still refuse to accept it. <laughs> um, and and that's not an excuse, and that's not to say that Arizona needs to get doesn't need to get better. They need to find something there. I think it's going to have to come from the guys that have been getting most of the minutes. But I was curious to see uh, Maraskis got some uh play in that game some silly b's got in some run the last couple you know and like you know those guys i think the you know that i think the question with them has always been what they would do on defense but like also if you're if you're guys that are starting at the wings aren't doing anything on defense what's the concern exactly yeah, and those yeah. guys are a little bit longer with some length and you know to get make guys not hit shots you don't have to block the shot or keep them from catching the ball you just need to get them out of their rhythm and sometimes length can do that or you have to wear maroon and gold because teams like to miss open looks against them too when you're wearing those when they're facing those colors well asu famous for their high-end guard play (laughs) but uh, you're right and this is like i said it's early in the season still i think where arizona fans are concerned is just the most of these losses coming in like a bunch, right? It's like three of their last, what, like five games, you know, that Arizona has losses in. And two of them are to really good teams. FAU, Grand FAU just had a bad loss themselves, which it happens. The other one, Purdue, who's really good. And then Stanford. If this game was, you know, three or four weeks from now and Arizona had won six straight, seven straight, and then they had that hiccup, it'd be like, okay, you know, it's just because it's so close to their last loss where now it looks like a trend just because of the way the schedule's worked out and because they lost this one. Doesn't mean it is a trend. And, of course, they host Colorado and Utah, win those two games, and all of a sudden everything's right again. You know, Colorado's a pretty good team. So if you beat them, you feel a lot better about it. And, of course, Arizona's at home. They haven't been at home in a while. So if Arizona goes on a nice run here, people forget about the Stanford game. They'll be ranked in the top six, top seven, probably because other programs are going to lose. And, again, Arizona doesn't play in a vacuum. Other teams have issues. Other teams are losing games you probably shouldn't be losing. But it's just when you lose this many games in a bunch, which for Arizona, after starting off the season so good, it seems like a hiccup, a speed bump, and it might be. And I'd rather have it now than in two months from now, three months from now. 
And you mentioned the guys getting some run. Paulie's Morasquez, Philly B. I don't mind Tommy Lloyd trying to mess with that rotation just a little bit. You know, see if you can find something. See if you can find a ninth guy. Someone who can maybe light a fire under one of the starters. I don't know who's not playing with effort. I don't, I'm not good at judging effort. Because sometimes people, I think, mistake a shot going in for effort. You know, or they just, whatever. But Tommy Lloyd has a good idea of who's doing what they're supposed to be doing and who's playing hard out there. And if he thinks someone isn't, it'd be nice to have more guys off the bench we can threaten playing time with to light a fire on them for sure. Yeah, I mean, here's where it because it's really just a narrative panic because would fans feel better if they lost the game to a much better Colorado team at home that was a week later? No, they'd be panicking and complaining that they lost at home. There's not yeah. a great time to lose games. No. But they're going to happen. You, you know, it's, it's going to, uh, I also, I think it's worth noting. I, I heard, and I therefore assume it is correct because ESPN or anybody like that would never lie to me. Especially about um, Arizona. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe they, they, they were mentioning it about Arizona state, uh, when they're talking about Arizona, um, <laughs> uh, but I don't think, you know, here's also why the panic is nonsense and the concern is nonsense. Let's just go back and remind ourselves that Tommy Lloyd has the highest lifetime, like, like to start a career winning percentage, and he has not lost two games in a row at, as a head coach. <laughs> right? Um, that's That tells me that, you know, it, the concerns about stuff being a trend, there's no evidence that he lets trends, you know, linger or, it, it, you know, for, or fall off a cliff. Now, there are always just like, gaps or concerns in the roster or ability that are recurring problems. But like that tells me that some of it can be correctable, especially when you're dealing with a bunch of 19, 18, 20 year old guys, right. That are not going to be as consistent. They're just not. Well, that's where I think where my optimism for this team comes into play, especially as you say, like, like this team, I don't think doesn't have the pieces or the ability to correct whatever problems they have. Like, do they have a lockdown wing defender? No, I don't think they have that. They could use like a Kadeem Allen or a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or an Aaron Gordon who couldn't. But I think they can be plenty good on that side of the court. I mean, they've shown it, right? Just because one guy has a good game, you know, John L. Davis, who's really, really good, doesn't mean they can't guard wings or high-level guards. And you look at the offense, Arizona scored 82 points and lost. 82 is going to be good enough to win most games, especially with the way they can play defense. Now, do they play that kind of offense every night? Do they play that good of defense every night? No. But are they capable? Yes. Last year's team didn't have the athletes this team does. Didn't have the just the bulldog mentality that guys like Caleb Love or K.J. Lewis have. Like Jaden Bradley has. So they can do these things. Now, the, the point is like, getting there and doing them in March and in April. <laughs> if Arizona could lose five more games this, you know, in the season, if they go on a run and win six in March and April, people are going to be satisfied. It's just funny how the season like this works. But no, there are certain things, like certain flaws, you can see with a team. You know, by this point, you have an idea who the team is. This many games in, and there are certain flaws you worry that they cannot be corrected. Now, is Arizona a great shooting team, three point shooting team? No, but they're not a bad three point shooting team. Everything else, Arizona has shown the ability to do. And do it consistently. So just because it doesn't happen one game or doesn't happen a couple of games doesn't mean it won't happen again. So that's kind of how I feel about this. They don't lack. They didn't lack anything a month ago. They don't lack anything really now other than just the seasoning and having gotten through the season to March Madness. Yeah. That's, that's how I see things. Like, again, are things to improve on? Yes. 
but I have every reason to believe that they can and will. Well, and I think the one the one thing that I know we talked about on the, this pod, and I certainly talked about on Twitter, uh, you know, especially was some some Arizona commentators out there like to force uh, nicknames onto people, and I said, how about the barometer for Pella Larson? How he plays is how this team performs collectively. Often, you know, he has yeah. A bit, I, you know, when did he have a great game in Arizona lost? And conversely, when, you know, when he has a bad game, like against Stanford, six points in 34 minutes, Arizona loses, yeah. right? Uh, it's Oh, and Colin Basel was bad too, though. Yeah, He was I worse just, than Pella Larson. No, sh- sure. But I, I think but there's But as Pella goes, the a, team goes, yeah. Because he's, he's kind of like that glue the, guy. He's that barometer. He's yeah. that X factor. He's the the that third option potentially more often, and he's a and he's a more senior player than Kylan mm-hmm. Boswell, who's still still relatively young. How old but, is he? Uh, I I believe he is now nineteen. I think so. Yeah, what what a guy. No, I, I think you're. I mean, Pella Larson is that type of player, though. When he's good, he can be really really good. He's a game changing type player because he does everything, or he can do mm-hmm. everything. So when he is excelling. Arizona's in a much better place. But, yeah, Arizona needs more from him. Needs more from Colin Boswell. Like, from guards in general. Caleb Love's been great. I have no problem with Caleb Love. I think Umar Balo's been playing good basketball. Keyshawn Johnson's starting to figure out his role more. He's not an offensive machine, but he is a guy who should be able to play defense, rebound a little bit. Had a bad game against Stanford, but everyone pretty much had a bad game against Stanford. So, Arizona this week, they're hosting Colorado on Thursday. And it's Stanford on Saturday. Not Stanford, Utah. Utah on Saturday. My bad. Not Stanford again. No, no, no. Utah on Saturday. Arizona's favored to win both games. They should win both games. I was protect McHale Center. You do that, then you start to kind of forget about what happened at Stanford, especially if you look good doing it. You know, you come out, Colorado's a tough team. That could be a decent Pac-12 win, a decent conference win. Go get that. You know, Utah can be challenging for Arizona. Go get that win, too. And then, of course, you get ready for a, a road game, like a single road game at Washington State before you know, a couple home games against the L.A. schools. So that's basketball season. It's a long one. And, again, it's it's early January. <laughs> There's a lot of games left, a lot of opportunities to bolster the resume and to trip up a little bit. That's just – that's reality. That's the Arizona basketball right now. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to see how weird everything is, just go look at the Pac-12 standings with, you know, ASU tied atop at 2-0. Stanford, as we're recording on what, – what They this, beat UCLA. Night? Just beat UCLA – who is now six and eight overall. Utah's won eight in a row, eleven two overall. Colorado's eleven and two overall. ASU's eight and five, even though they won a few of those games by, you know, God's grace. It's it's everybody just needs to calm down. <laughs> Arizona needs to play their game, play their best, get right against the mountain schools at home and and work on what they need to before March, because that's what matters. Indeed. Well, Brett, let's take a break, and we come back. We just talked about a team that has things to work on. Let's get into a team that season has done. Arizona football beat Oklahoma in the Alamo. We're going to talk to Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Swarm, who was in San Antonio covering the team, get his take on what transpired in San Antonio and where Arizona football is heading into the offseason. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Brian Peterson, who is the site manager for AZ Desert Swarm, covers the Wildcats. He was in San Antonio for the Owl covering Arizona, like the great media man he is. Brian, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yeah, of course. And... You know, Brian and I, we just watched that game on TV, and it started off a lot of fun. Then it got a little bit less fun. Then it got really fun at the end. Just the vibe in that stadium, you know, from your vantage point being there, what was it like for Arizona fans? Because it was the first bowl game, you know, in, what, six years. And just to get there, the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma, and the ups and downs and just the way things went. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely outnumbered fan-wise, uh, from Oklahoma, and you could tell that early on. Um, even even as they were up ten nothing, uh, the, the Oklahoma fans seemed like they they were more vocal overall. And especially once the tide sort of turned, and they took that, I guess it was a twenty four zero run to to take the eleven point lead. But once Arizona started to to get back on track and um, started piling up all those turnovers, the the Arizona fans you did that were there started to get much more vocal and it, it definitely started to turn in their way. And then I think that the, uh, the people who are there from San Antonio kind of sided with Arizona just because it seemed like that was the direction it was going and it, they had all the momentum and it, it definitely made for a great atmosphere. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned that with the atmosphere and the, and the fan base, what about from the perspective, uh, you know, leading up to the game, uh, and, you know, I don't know how much you could observe during the game if you're up in the press box, but and after the game of the Arizona players and coaching staff, you know, in terms of their excitement, like some videos went around at like a, a dinner where Justin Flow rips his shirt off and they do a haka. It seemed like the the program was excited to be there and very focused. Is that a, is that a fair framing? Yes. In fact, we were we were quite disappointed that there wasn't any video of Justin Flo trying to fight a sea lion or a killer whale or something like that, since that that seems to kind of fit with his vibe there. But yes, overall, it was just a general it wasn't a we're happy to be here. It's a this is, we deserve this for all of the work we've put in, not just this year, but for most of the players previous years. And we don't want this to just be our reward being here. We want to win this game. And send off the seniors, particularly the ones who've been here from the beginning, with a great way to end their career, but also knowing that they have so many guys coming back that this could be a springboard towards 24. The, the bowl games are, in essence, outside of the playoffs, meaningless from like the overall standpoint. But for a program like Arizona, which hadn't been to a bowl in six years, hadn't won one in eight years, and hadn't played in a bowl like this of this level since the Alamo Bowl in 2010, it meant a lot more than just playing in an extra game. I'm wondering too, Brian, because I think we all thought that would be the case, that Arizona would just, I guess for lack of a better phrase, want it more than Oklahoma. Now that Oklahoma didn't compete and try to win the game, but having been around this team all season, just their progression from maybe thinking they could win or hoping they could win to thinking they can win to knowing they can win to knowing they can win against good teams. Did you see that kind of grow that confidence, that belief from, you know, week one of maybe, you know, spring ball and even maybe fall camp to where they were in that hour? Because you said like they, well, you know, the last six years or the eight years, just everything this program has been through to get to this point. Did it feel like they didn't think they weren't that team anymore? They were a really good football team that deserved to be there and deserved to win that game. 
Yeah, and I think you could go back into September to see that. I mean, just look at the Mississippi State game. They didn't win that game, but they turned the ball over on, what, four straight possessions to start the game and then found themselves going to overtime on the road in SEC territory. That easily could have been a game like uh, the first season or parts of the second season or during the Sumlin era where you're down, next thing you know, you're down 27 nothing, and it's it's going to end up being something like 48-10. to 10 at the end of the game because you're just going through the motions and they didn't do that. Um, even the Washington game, they were down two scores fairly early and managed to hang around with it. And that was actually the last time that they were down by two scores until the Oklahoma game. But I think because they'd had that run where no matter what happened, they, they just remained confident that even though they were down 24 to 13 and nothing was working on the offensive side, which was very, very surprising considering how the year went, that you didn't see anything like, well, I guess this is where the run ends. It was just, nope, this will turn for us as long as we don't give up. And they didn't, and that's how it went. Is it as simple as that Mississippi State game? Like, what? where does confidence come from? Because, you know, we all thought they could be good, but it's like, do they become confident because they're winning? Do they win because they were confident? Like, how did they grow from a team that, you know, thought it could maybe win some games? Like, yeah, it didn't matter if they were down by two scores. They could come back and beat Oklahoma. Like, what led to that with this group, do you think? Uh, You know, I think it might have just been just driving it home to them from the coaching staff in the preseason and in the spring that, you know, we've got a good team here, and as long as we stick to what we're trying to do, it's going to work and can't get – can't get let down by when something doesn't go our way. Um, I mean, even you can also look at when, when Jaden Delora hurt his ankle and Fafita came in, there wasn't this, oh, no, we have a backup quarterback. And you see so much of that during these bowl games where you have, oh, my God, there's such a drop-off. Florida State doesn't deserve to be in the playoff because they don't have their quarterback. Noah Fafita steps in and it's like, okay, this guy hasn't done anything yet, and it, it, you would have not have noticed that from the way he played on that drive and then the way he played against Washington, who's in the national championship game, the way he played against UC, uh, USC, putting them up into a lead, and then throughout the win streak. So I think they just have this natural trust in themselves and each other that if if anything goes wrong, it's not going to be a prolonged thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think in, in almost any competitive sport, and in football maybe most of all, and, and a, a player that lacks or a team that lacks confidence is going to self-defeat themselves, right? And this team never doubted themselves, uh, you know, and I think part of that comes from the culture and that culture of development, the buzzword that we're seeing. I've, you know, I, I kind of want to get your perspective because I'm struggling to imagine, to recall an Arizona Wildcat team or any team in general that I've seen improve more over the course of a season. And a sub question to that, I don't know if I've ever seen an individual player improve and develop, you know, from a liability to an asset more than our, everybody's greatest uh, greatest, uh, biggest fan of Gunnar Maldonado now after that game compared to, you know, two months ago, how, how do you, how do you, have you, I guess, how did that happen? And have you ever seen that before either in a player or in a team that much development within one season? No, I mean, I've been, I've been around the Arizona program either as a student or living in Tucson or covering them for 29 years and the the improvement from the beginning of the season to the end. It's not that they were a bad team at the beginning of the season, but it, it did kind of feel there were a lot of flaws and things that needed to get better those first few games, whereas since then it just seems like things are getting better and things are getting better, and, and nothing go, would go wrong for too long 
And uh, they didn't have one of those games where the offense was absolutely terrible and the defense had to bail them out. This was the closest to that. Uh, you also didn't have a game where the defense was terrible and the offense had to blow um, bail them out. And that was kind of the thing that you saw last year and, and in previous ones. So it just it the collective effort of that improvement is probably unprecedented as far as I remember. And as far as Gunnar Maldonado, I, I have no idea other than that the coaches trusted that he was the right guy. And we asked so many questions first month, month and a half of the season about why is he playing, trying to phrase it in so many ways possible other than why do you have somebody that's not good in there? And well, I mean, you wouldn't know that he was playing that way, the, the way he finished the year. And it wasn't just the bowl game. It was probably the last, probably going back even into before the losing of uh, the win streak began that he just seemed to, to find a better thing. Maybe they found the best role for him where he wasn't having to cover somebody too close to the line because he's not a, a, a line of scrimmage guy. He's more of a back line guy. Dalton Johnson became more of the, the, the run stopping safety and they found their roles and it worked out perfectly. You know, for the team, you mentioned that the coaching staff believed hammer home. Like, hey, this is a good football team. If you do, you're supposed to do, you're going to win some games. But how validating mm-hmm. was this bowl game where, sure, it wasn't the make or break. They lose this game. It's still a great season. They win this game. It's still a great season just with a bowl game victory. But to watch the Tatora McMillan just torch Oklahoma's secondary, to watch Nova Fida have his way when he had time, to watch this defense, yeah, Jackson Arnold threw some interceptions, but the defense made some plays. Like, how validating was it for this team that it's talent? went toe-to-toe with, I guess, technically a Big 12 team, an elite Big 12 team, but really what's about to be an SEC program for Arizona mm-hmm. to say, we've been building towards this. Look what you like. You can come here and play on that level because, you know, at Arizona where, hey, you can go to toe-to-toe with some of the best in the country. Yeah, and you had this game, national attention on ESPN, which apparently still wasn't enough to somehow, uh, or I guess it, it, it caused them to still leave TMAC off of their list of top 100 players in college football this year. I have to that, yeah, I have to assume that ESPN just dropped the ball there and forgot about him. They had Noah Fafita on there in the 30s, which is great, but they did not have T-Mac on there as one of the top 100, yet they had several receivers with lower numbers but maybe more high-profile programs or SCC. But that's, that's its own story. But, yeah, I mean, you, the number of players that – made a name for themselves nationally in that game and the program as a whole. Arizona is going to be a team next year for better or good or bad that the entire country is going to be looking at and paying attention to. The networks are going to want their games on there and whether they win or they lose, it's going to be scrutinized much more than it has maybe ever. Maybe the closest was after the 12 and one season in 1998 and Arizona was number four for the next preseason with what looked like a pretty solid team. And they made a very risky move by accepting a game playing at Penn State to start the season, got blitzed, ended up going six and six and never recovered from that season until, gosh, maybe now. So they're going to be they're going to be no. Yeah, you know, no. uh, <laughs> go ahead. Um, you know, Adam Adam mentioned this, and it's kind of you know his question and your answer kind of leads me to this because Adam says you know they went toe to toe and they they did they they won the game against Oklahoma, uh, but I remember early in the game and, and we're talking about looking into next year Jordan Morgan being out 
uh, you know, I think Adam had a, a prescient tweet where it said he he his draft stock went up by not playing and, and how Arizona's O-line performed. I remember messaging Adam during the game. I was like, oh, man, Arizona's line's like bigger and better than they have in my lifetime as a fan. And they still look kind of small next to the Oklahoma. When you look ahead to next season in the Big 12, how, you know, is is the current talent uh, and 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 for lack of a better term, size on the lines ready to go toe to toe as you play with the big boys in this in the Big 12, and if you're trying to compete for an expanded playoff, or is that something of a reality check for uh, this Arizona football program? I think so. I mean, you have to look at the Big 12 that Arizona is going into next year is not your older brother's Big 12. Since you can't say grandpa's because it wasn't around that long. Uh, you're losing the two biggest names from that league in Texas and Oklahoma. And to, uh, to consider those players to be the standard for the entire Big 12 is, I think, being a little too simplistic because that while there are a lot of really good teams in that league, that's not how all of them are. The, those are the exceptions to the rule. Uh, they're also, you know, the teams that are coming in with Arizona, Utah, which Arizona has a very good idea of who they are, along with ASU and Colorado, which you would say Arizona is above them in terms of the, the talent level. You also had from this most recent group of teams that came into the Big 12, Central Florida, which is, I think, I mean, they best definitely are in there because of their markets and, and all of that. And that program doesn't have that same kind of overall notoriety, despite having a former power conference coach in Gus Malzahn. Cincinnati had their their big moment getting into, uh, you know, going undefeated that year so that they could that kind of parlay that into be get a, a program that get in there. And then Houston and BYU, which have just kind of been like long time mid majors making the move into this level. I think it's. <clears throat> Consider if if the Pac-12 were to continue to have been as good this year in future years, then this might be looked at as a step down. But I think from the overall standpoint, this is still a step up for the for Arizona going to the Big 12. But I wouldn't say that it's like that they're in over their head. This isn't like if they were joining the SEC. I guess keeping with that team of looking ahead, of course, the transfer portal, the early portal, it looks like it's closed. And Arizona didn't do too bad. And I wonder from having been around this team and, you know, Jed Fish has done such a good job of keeping guys around. Obviously, like Dorian Singer left and now he's back in the portal. People are saying there's the cautionary tale. Don't leave Arizona when things are going well. But is there any reason to believe that when the portal opens again in the spring that Arizona is likely to lose some key guys? Or if they didn't lose them by now, chances are the key guys are coming back next season. Uh, I mean, with with the money that comes into it, if there's a team that d realizes between now and April that they've got a glaring need in a certain area and the right feelers go out and the right dollar figures get brought up, you could see a key guy pop out of there. But I would think more likely you would see at the end of spring practice guys who wanted to give it one last chance in spring ball to assert themselves and move up the depth chart and or want to make sure they just they finish their degree at Arizona and then go in. But because there are several of those that I was surprised didn't go in at this point. And there could be another one or two that that went in that, that their name just hasn't come out yet because the portal closed on Tuesday night. But all the names might not be official for a few more days. Uh, same with graduate transfers and all that. But, yeah, I mean, the I'd say the other than Jane Delora leaving, the, the most significant was uh, Jacob Kungaika off of the, the defensive line from a depth standpoint. But 
he didn't start any of the games. He probably played maybe 20 to 25% of the snaps a game because of the defensive line rotation. They do need to fill some holes on that. They've added one guy from the portal. I think they'll probably try to add another from there. But all in all, um, you know, Jed back in December kind of alluded to, or he noted that the previous year's Alamo Bowl was Texas against Washington. And both of those teams, particularly Washington, were able to maintain their team and keep it all together and bring back a lot of guys. And that maybe if Arizona could do that, then that could be uh, a harbinger of things to come for them. And it looks like Arizona has managed to do that. So maybe that could portend into something big for next year. When you mentioned that looking even farther into the future, you know, the portal is going to open up again in the spring after, you know, there's going to be some shuffling around on rosters and people are dissatisfied. And Jed Fish and staff had mm-hmm. some good success uh, in the spring last year with a couple of pretty big late ads as contributors, uh, even along the even along the defensive line. Um, assuming that that's going to be the case again this year, when you look at this roster, where do you see them still, the, the Jed Fish and staff trying to plug some of those holes as they kind of go, you know, to the supermarket and try to pick out well off the shelf what they think fits in their system the best? I think the most glaring need right now is a second linebacker to go alongside Jacob Manu that they can rely on to be the guy unless they're confident that one of the freshmen like Tay Brown or uh, Kamuela Kahue uh, can, can be that guy. They both saw significant play as freshmen but weren't given the keys to that second spot. It was kind of a, a revolving door. Uh, Daniel Haimuli was there. Now he's not there. Justin Flo just hasn't really fit the way that they were hoping in that spot. And that is probably the biggest hole, I think. They they do need a fifth starter on the offensive line, whether it's going to be this kid they just got from Northwestern or one of the guys that is still in the program. That's what spring ball is probably for, though. I think that they may still look for another offensive lineman out there. They could do the same with the third wide receiver spot, even though they've got plenty of options within their program. If, if the better option pops up outward, they'll go for that. And uh, as I said before, some defensive line, maybe a punter. I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if they uh, want to go with the freshman that they signed or um, the walk-on that's on the team, I don't know. So, but that one's not as big a need. And then maybe like some depth at running back. So you mentioned the biggest need at the other linebacker spot, and you mentioned a couple of freshmen on there. At what point do we get concerned that you're naming multiple freshmen that's not uh, the prior class's four-star highest-rated linebacker recruit, Leviticus Sua? Or is this is this a big big spring for him already in his career? Yeah, that that was an omission on my part. Um, I, they he he wasn't ready this first year. I think it might have been. Um, partly like a conditioning thing and also learning the offense. But yeah, this, because he wasn't with the team in the spring, he only showed up in the summer. So this spring is his first real audition. Arizona didn't have very many um, open spots that they were competing for in the summer. So I think they made that decision pretty soon that, that he was not going to be part of the mix that first year. Um, Based on that, the profile for being a four-star guy, he should be considered in there. Um, if he isn't, though, then, you know, they they may move on from from that as an option after this year if it doesn't work out. But 
Yeah, that was I just forgot him. That's that's my fault. But what a good situation for Arizona to be in, where a guy like Avidic Sua did not have to play early on as a freshman because he wasn't here. A guy like Justin Flo, who obviously is more experienced, just wasn't the guy at least every down or even for a large percentage of the downs, so they could go with other players and still win. They can bring freshmen along slowly, let them learn the system. And if you're a transfer and you're just not a fit, you don't have to play because Arizona has other options. It seems like the program, and it's not, you know, it's not exactly a hot take to say that they're in as strong a position as they've been in, in a very long time. But for Arizona football, as it puts the end to the 2023 season, looking ahead to 2024, this has to be the best situation they've been in in a very, very long time, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's very, it's a great problem to have to miss on guys and not have to hit on every single player that you sign out of high school or junior college and every transfer you pick up that if one of them doesn't, one or more of them doesn't pan out or doesn't uh, contribute immediately, that it's going to cripple you. This, this program, like the, the transfers they brought in Jed Fish's first year, if they were if they didn't do something, then they were screwed, and a lot of them didn't. But they took whoever they could get, and that was the whole year zero and and working from that. But now, I mean, Oren Patu seemed like somebody that could be really helpful on the defensive line. He hardly played, and now he's moved on, and I believe he's going to an FCS school next year. Um, and that most of the guys that that are in the portal from were maybe guys that they brought in and it just didn't work out for whatever reason that, you know, their evaluation didn't pay off, but it didn't matter because it didn't, they didn't win in spite of that. They won because they just had plenty of other options. Yeah. No, it's, and guys leave, guys don't work out, but I feel like Arizona's in a position where the coaching staff has earned that trust in terms of being able to fill holes and develop the players they do have, which is something that, you didn't really get from the previous coaching staff, and they're not even the one before that. Granted, the portal makes things different, and IL makes things different. But it certainly seems like there's no reason to think that Arizona may be 10 wins on the table for next year. Obviously, they're going to be one of the favorites in the Big 12, but that the program itself is not going to take such a big backslide for X, Y, or Z. Right? Arizona's in really strong position to continue to be a good quality football program, which should compete at the highest of levels in their new conference. I would say so. I mean, it's, gosh, it's January and the games are seven months away. All I know is Arizona is going to be un, uh, going to be on a winning streak for about 320 total days before it plays from the, from when it started until when it plays New Mexico on August 31st. And a lot can change from then. I mean, who knows if they lose any coaches to, uh, other teams. Uh, there's been some word out there that Johnny Nansen is, uh, a top candidate to join Texas's staff and S- Steve Sarkeesian and him are really good friends from when they were at Washington and when they were at USC. If that were to happen, <clears throat> then some dynamics change and you have to reevaluate. And what does that mean for the defense and all that? So as, as good as the situation is for Arizona, there's still a lot of fluidity and so much can happen in seven and a half months before the next game is played. You mentioned how many days Arizona have gone with their winning streak. If they could just match the time they had with their last long losing streak. In terms of wins, that would just be fine with me. I think I forget well, how. Many. I, yeah, I did. I did research this, and and Arizona's ten wins are the most by a team in a season within two years of ending a losing streak of twenty or more. The previous had been South Carolina winning nine in a row, uh, winning nine games in two thousand one after having a twenty-one game losing streak in ninety-eight and ninety-nine. So. 
the, you know, that just shows you how hard it is to turn it around that quickly. Um, but the other thing to look at is, okay, this was the fourth 10 win season in school history for Arizona. First one since 2014, but <clears throat> not to be a Debbie downer here, but because I look up these things, their record the year after a 10 win season, 1994, the year after going 10 and three or 10 and two, they went eight and four, a little bit of a backslide. That was the year they were the number one sports illustrated team, blah, 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 rock solid and started four and had a bad loss to Colorado state and just kind of backslid 99 after the 12 and one season, the best in school history. I mentioned before that Penn state debacle, they went six and six, went five and six the next year. Dick Tomey got fired program ends up resetting after the the ugly John McAvick era and then after Rich Rod had the surprise 10 win season of 14 they go seven and six the year later they're three and nine and so it just shows you it's not easy to just stay good if this team can win nine games it would match the most in two years of 19 wins from 97 and 98 they've never won 20 games in a two-game span I was just thinking if Arizona matched their losing streak with wins, they would be undefeated. But you had to take it that way, I think. What was Arizona's losing? Was it 20 games? So that'd be like a 10-0 a start? Like, I think we would take that. I was going to say, haven't they won 20 games in the last, like, four seasons combined now at this point? <laughs> well, let's see. They, they lost 20 in a row, and since then, they are 16 and 13. So let's put it that way. Better. Yeah. Better. <laughs> they, they added they added four wins and they've added five wins next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can mathematically add six wins, but they can sure try. <laughs> yeah, I guess they would have to win. They'd have to go undefeated, win the conference title, and somehow still not get a top four seed. So then they'd have then they'd play sixteen games. So maybe if they if they were a non power conference, that could happen. But I can't imagine a thirteen and zero. Big 12 champion would not be one of the top four. In fact, I believe that Unless they may get Unless the quarterback gets hurt, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, see, the important thing that, that shows the importance of having a good backup quarterback. Like, why was Florida State's backup quarterbacks nowhere near as good as their first guy? Why hasn't anybody asked that? Because this is the first time I've had you on since the playoff was determined. Otherwise, we would have asked you that, and you would have given. So, yeah, that's that's our fault. I think that's on me and Brett and Wildcat Radio Two Point Brian. That that's our bad. Uh, <laughs> oh well, now that we've moved on to teams, other teams that didn't make it to the college football playoff, it's probably time to wrap up our chat here. Brian Peterson, AZ Desert Storm, the site manager, covers football, basketball. Of course, we talked to you about basketball, but you know, there's plenty of time for that. This is more of a football episode for us. So, is there anything you want to plug the Crazy Desert Swarm coming up? I know I'm going to be writing something for you. I just have to decide what it is. But is there anything yeah, coming up that people should want to take a look at? Uh, just, I mean, Pac-12 play is is underway for men's and women's basketball, and they're both home this weekend against the the Mountain Schools. Uh, the men are playing two of, two of the top 30 teams in Ken Palm. The women are hosting the number five team in the country and then the number 11 team in the country this weekend. So it's big games for both of them, and, uh, you know, We'll see uh, if they can use that home cooking. I mean, it's, it is it is kind of weird. I've noted today, Arizona men's basketball's game on Thursday night against Colorado will be their first home game in 25 days. They haven't had that long of an in-season stretch without a home game since 2001. 
It's just not something you see from from major college basketball going that long without playing at home. Good times. <laughs> There's plenty more basketball. Of course, we're going to talk some basketball ourselves here. But Brian Peterson, azdesertswarm.com. Find him on Twitter at RealBJP. As always, we appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you again down the road. Thank you very much, guys. All right, that's Brian Peterson. We come back, we give our final thoughts on Arizona football, the 2023 season. We're back, and thanks again to Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Swarm, who was in San Antonio, had a pretty good vantage point on what transpired in that game. But I will say, I mean, it's it's been a while since I've lost an Arizona, like watching an Arizona Bowl game. I think I was at your old condo. We were watching them, Arizona lose to Purdue and like the Foster Farms Bowl or something with Khalil Tate at quarterback. A lot of life has happened since then. A lot has happened since then. So it was just a lot of fun seeing Arizona in a bowl game and seeing Arizona play well for most of it and win. Like if they would have lost, it still would have been a satisfying season, a really good season. But to watch them win, even with Oklahoma missing a lot of key guys, and I'm not sure Arizona beats a full-strength Oklahoma, but either way, they beat the team that was in front of them and had some exciting plays, exciting moments, and it was great to see certain guys like Gunnar Maldonado, Jacob Cowing, you know, have big games, T-Mac, of course play well on that stage on ESPN against Oklahoma. Like it was just fun, especially because they won. Winning is fun. It is. It is. <laughs> and, and man, that, that game was a, a roller coaster. It was trending really badly. And then the immaculate interception ruled fumble of Gunnar Maldonado. Uh, I just, it's, it's a weird thing to get to experience that kind of, big game and fun game as an Arizona fan against a big time opponent. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it makes you feel really excited. And, you know, now we're all just saying, all right, can we, can we get that uh, extension announced? You know, well, Brian's it's, it's a, you, you think about the future, right? You think yeah. about Jed fish. Like if, if Harbaugh was to leave Michigan and that job opens up is Jed fish who coached at Michigan at one point as an assistant, is that something he would be interested in? Would they be interested in him? It's hard to imagine they wouldn't be interested in him, but that's where, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is where you want to be. You want to have an offseason where you're worried about your coaches getting poached and your best players getting poached, right? You want that because it means they're good. At the same time, like as great a season as Arizona had, and it was an, you win 10 games, especially the way they did. You beat ASU. You beat Utah at home. Like You were really good at home, actually. You only lost one game at home. It was to Washington, who's playing for the college football championship right now, or on Monday or next week. Like it's hard to be upset about the season, but it's over. Like, it was a great group, exciting and everything, but now you're thinking about what happens next because if you're someone who thinks Arizona can win a national championship, but I don't know if I'd believe that, but, hey, like, they won 10 games. If, the, if it was a 12-team playoff this season, they're in it, I would think. Or, I mean, I guess they were, what, 14th going into the, you know, but they were right on the cusp of being a playoff team, and I'm sure no one would have wanted to play them by the time this season ended. But if you think that they're the type of team or program that can get to that level and moving to the Big 12, there's a lot of people who think they could win it, then you think about, okay, they got to build on this. Ten wins isn't, that's not the destination. That's, it's not the beginning either. <laughs> but, like, that is, that's not enough. Like, there needs to be more. Can they do that? And like Brian mentioned, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go from ten to more than that because there's, I mean, not that Arizona had a lot of fluky wins this season, but scheduling and everything, it's hard to go from ten wins to 11, to 12, and to 13. Yeah, it's, it's easier to go from, eight wins to 10 than it is to go from 10 to 11. And we talked before, it's hard to go from five to eight too. Like it's, that's a huge jump to go from just decent to good to yeah, go from good to upper echelon is really, really hard. Each, each, each sliver higher is a steeper 
steeper climb, right? Yeah. Um, like Kong keeps throwing more barrels the higher you climb, right? Yeah, and and that's you know, a Donkey at, Kong reference. Here you go. Hey, yeah, hey, our geriatric millennials will appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, uh, and it's you know, like you mentioned, going into if Arizona can compete, maybe you know, does with the twelve-team playoff, does a Final Four become? Like the you know in, in college basketball, it's like the Final Four is what people talk about, less yeah. about the national championship, but like also that's where a thing where a team like Arizona can be legitimately good and get hot, and it changes the dynamic. And a team like Arizona that has a lot of, you know, really great college players, borderline NFL guys, tend to stick around more and probably tend to play in the bowl games more than you know, the surefire first round talents that are draft eligible. Right. And how is that going to play? I don't out think if they were in a playoff game, I don't know if I've seen too many guys opting out of playoff games, but yeah. you never know with the way college football is. And I never get mad at someone for opting out. If they're doing it for really for whatever reason, whether they're transferring or going pro do what you think is best for you. Generally playing in the playoffs is what's best for them. So I don't think that's going to be an issue for too many, but yeah, the whole dynamic changes when, you know, Arizona went into this past season just like, okay, if they can make a bowl game, that's a success. You know, win seven games, cool. You know, that's great. Win eight, wow. But, like, I forget what we talked to um, Justin McAleese about, like, you know, the expectations for the season. I forget what the range was for this year. But, like, ten wins would have been, the, like, there's no way they get to ten, right? <laughs> like, that is, yeah. if everything goes right, not everything went right, and they still got to 10. So does that all of a sudden change the expectations for next season, where maybe if they'd won eight games this year, you're like, okay, so if we can get to nine or 10 next year, does it mean you have to win 10 games for next season to be a success? I don't know if that's fair, but it's probably where they're at now. Yeah, I think it was six or seven was a expe- minimum expectation. You know, eight was a good season. Nine was the goal or like stretch goal and 10 was the magical season, right? (laughs) And they ended up at magical season and only lost the other three games by a combined like 15 points. And they don't lose the majority of their roster unless the portal raids the rest of it. They lose some key guys, Jordan Morgan, Tanner McLaughlin, Taylor Upshaw, Jacob Cowing, right? They're losing some players, some key guys, but they're not losing the entire roster. If everything goes the way they want it to, they're bringing back their quarterback, a couple of receivers, most of the offensive line, their secondary, which proved to be a strength as the season went on. Friend of the pod, Michael Lev, I think, wrote a thing about the secondary. So, like, there's no reason to think they have to get worse, but worse could mean, like, but they could also win eight games and it's technically worse. You know, just the way things go. It's, it's sports. Like, did everything go right for them this season? I don't think so. Like, that, that's what I could come I don't Like, 2014 was fluky. I think we talked about it last show. Like, the way they got to those wins, to their 10 wins. Like, it was, you know, required Washington flubbing one at the end. It recalled the Hill Mary. The ASU win was super close, right? They had, you know, they had some really close games. The Oregon win on the road was a really, I don't say it was fluky, but it was really close. This season, their wins, other than Colorado, they took a two teams, you know? And I don't want to say NAU or UTEP. I guess Stanford was close early when they lost Delora in that one, but otherwise they just crushed Washington State. Oregon State, there was a two-score game. They gave up a late score and had to recover the onside kick. UCLA, they weren't controlled the whole way. Colorado, it was back and forth, I guess, but they were better the entire time. Utah, they destroyed. Mm-hmm. ASU, they destroyed. Uh, it's not to, They got to 10 wins because they were good, not because good things necessarily happened to them. So is there a reason to think that they'll take a big step back roster-wise? No. 
especially if certain players get better. So the expectations they're going into next season with, and again, like as Brian mentioned, there's another portal season. We'll see if, what that does. If they lose Johnny Nansen to Texas, as has been one of the rumors as one of their defensive coordinator, maybe some Arizona players go with. Like, we don't know. Things can happen. But as it stands right now on January 3rd when we're recording, like Arizona's in a really strong position to build off of what they did this year and compete for a Big 12 championship, right? One would think. People forget, <laughs> you know, a lot of this winning streak started when Arizona was uh, lost to injury. They're starting quarterback and running back to start the season. Now, this is what good depth does for you, and maybe you kind of upgraded even at running back spot, right, um, with Jonah Coleman's emergence. As I mentioned, you lose Michael Wiley, too. He's graduating. Another player I forgot about, yeah. You know, but, like, boy, th- you know, this th- this year's roster showed what, depth the rotation on the defensive line and the plan all came together and you know my god this this coaching staff has earned uh the benefit of the doubt when it comes to evaluating talent even looking at Gunnar Maldonado and we you know we talked with Brian we all thought they're crazy for still playing him and they saw something that that's why they're on the field making the big bucks and that's why we're we're not and I think the nice thing too about Gunner specifically was he was part of that first transfer class where it was like Arizona taking local kids and whoever they could get, and he developed here. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't a ready-made guy. This wasn't someone like a Jacob Cowing who I'm sure developed, but he was a Jacob Cowing was a star when he arrived on campus. You know, Jay and Delora was an upgraded quarterback when he arrived on campus. Gunnar Maldonado was an unproven guy who, for a couple of seasons, was kind of like eh, and turned into a star by the end of the season. So, like, there's more reason to believe that this team, like, this coaching staff can recruit and can develop that talent and then coach it, like, scheme for it. You know, not every play call is right, but even throughout games, like, they were a second-half, fourth-quarter team this season. Like, that's where they're at their best. I forget what the overall numbers were, but what they did in the second half of games was unreal, and that's coaching. That's coaching them to believe that they can win no matter the situation and coaching where you scheme away around whatever troubles you're having, whatever struggles you're having through the first 30 minutes. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Arizona football. Like, I don't know. I'm not predicting them to win the Big 12 next season. We'll see what this team looks like when it goes into, you know, into fall camp and the season begins. But they bring a lot of guys back as of right now from a team that legitimately won 10 games, you know, not flukily won 10 games. So do they need to improve from this year? Yeah. You always if you can't stand still, right? They didn't arrive. And even the best teams, whoever wins, whether it's Michigan or Washington, if they want to get back to that level, if they want to stay somewhere close to that level, they got to improve still. They can't just rest on laurels. And Arizona certainly can't. But with the idea of them developing what they have and recruiting what they need, like there's every reason to be excited about the potential for this program going forward. Well said, Adam. I'm excited for it. <laughs> All right. <sighs> oh, man, this was a fun football season. It was. Like, it was we just can fun. Have, <laughs> we can have nice things. And, like, that's – I, I like, I always talk about how basketball, men's basketball, has that feeling now where it's like, unless they – you know, it's all about what happens in March, and football's not like that. There's not a long season that leads to, you know, that even the playoff has is expanding. But it was kind of nice to have that surprisingly really good season from somewhere. You know, you're like, oh, this is that was it's kind of like the women's basketball run when they made it to the championship game with Ari McDonald. You're like, okay, they were good, but to go on that run, like that was just so much fun to watch. This football season was just one. They win after win after win, big play after big play, great performance after great performance. It was a lot of fun to watch this team as it improved in one football games, and that's not something that Arizona gets often. Like even like their best teams, they usually expect it to be really good. So yeah, it's fun, but slightly more stressful. 
this was just fun because of the surprising nature of it. And plus, it seemed like an easy team to root for. Yeah, I, th- I think that goes back to the culture that we, we brought up with Brian as well, right? And you can see it. Like, I follow a lot of the players on Twitter. Uh, you could just, even the guys that are just here for a year are, like, just rave about the staff, about the environment. And, I mean, I think that started with, uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name, the the, the decent uh, uh, defensive end that came from USC that was only here for a year. Hunter Eccles? Yeah, and yeah. I remember him doing, like, Instagram lives and like stories and just being like, man, like University of Arizona is a great place. And like when you have guys that are these big time programs and he was a four star recruit, uh, you know, when, when they, like they are the ambassadors for the program. Uh, it's a, it's a far cry from where it was during the, during the dark days, <laughs> even going back to when we were there on campus during the Makovic years, oh, um, you know, there was the, the rich rod rise and, and fall, um, but yeah, it's it's this is this is the plan coming together. This is Jed Fish's plan coming together. This is exactly how you hoped it would come together, and there's something beautiful about when it all happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Brad. Well said. We bring Red Profound to end the show, and I'm gonna close out and ruin it. Certainly. <laughs> because that's this by MO. <laughs> um well, We all have our roles, Adam. Yeah, so might as well get to it, right? <laughs> of course, a, you know, football is done. We're going to get into more about how the recruiting class shapes up and more in the future in the coming weeks and stuff because, you know, football is a lot of fun to talk about and it pretty much never stops, it seems like. Even though the portal is closed, there might be more players who enter it. We'll talk about that. You know, men's basketball, as mentioned, hosts the Mountain Schools this week, Colorado and Utah women's basketball. When they last took the floor, they beat Seattle 89-52. Arizona over Seattle. You love to see it. Arizona, a much better place to be than Seattle, as we all know. Right, Brett? We do know. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> yeah. um, they got their own mountains swing. They're playing Colorado and Utah also this weekend. So that should be fun for Arizona women's basketball. So, yeah, Arizona athletics never stops. A lot of good things happening right now. A lot of programs who have high expectations, and that's how we want it to be. That's where you want to be as an athletic department. Anyway, thanks again to Brian Peterson from Easy to the Swarm for joining us and showing his insight into what went down at the Alma Bowl. Of course, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at Wildcat Radio AZ. If you're listening to us, you might have found us there or on iTunes or Spotify. Subscribe to us on each of those platforms. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll read that review on the air. Brett, do we have any new reviews for this week? Unfortunately, we do not have any new reviews, but I did by happenstance catch and happen to notice, Adam. Now, this is not just for our iteration of Wildcat Radio 2.0, but apparently this is our 300th episode. Oh. And I had no idea. <laughs> so I thought that was a, something I should comment on, and maybe we should have made a deal about but here we I, are. I, I feel like there should be some balloons falling from the sky and maybe a dead clown, but, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> Fortunately, neither of those are happening, so I think we're good. I can't speak for you. We're in different places. You know, I'm here in, in Arizona. You're in Seattle, but, you know. A lot of things fall from the sky here regularly, Adam. <laughs> That's true. So, oh, okay, well, congratulations to Wildcat Radio 2.0. I think it was regular Wildcat Radio first and then became 2.0. But either way, 300 episodes. That's pretty good, you know? Yeah. It's, and, I think it's something to celebrate. Uh, I don't next, know how. Yeah, I but, don't either. You know. Well, you can celebrate with... By thanking you, our listeners, who have made it happen, right? We do it for you. you. We appreciate you listening, of course, whether it was you've been listening to all 300 episodes, just this one, or however many in between, we do appreciate it. 
As always, if you have any questions for us, we'll do mailbags. We'll probably do more of them in the coming weeks. But hit us up at Wildcat Radio AZ on the Twitter machine and get your question in so we can answer it for you. But, yeah, like, this was fun. Arizona football, Alamo Bowl champions, Arizona men's basketball, things to work on, but ranked number 10 in the country, Arizona women's basketball preparing for Pac-12 play. So, yeah, whatever happens with Arizona athletics, we will talk about it. But until next week, thank you for listening. And remember to bear down. Bear down.